Welcome to the Business as Mission podcast, dedicated to those who long to see God glorified in business and the nations reached for Christ. Your host is Mike Bayer, longtime BAM leader and founder of Third Path Initiative, an online education resource for starting and growing BAM businesses around the world. Well, welcome to another episode of the Business as Mission podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bayer, and I'm here with a a uh, really, I think, a grand old friend of mine that I met in Australia. He's actually from New Zealand uh, originally, but lives in Australia now. And I think, Mark, you did actually take on uh, Australian citizenship. But Mark Bilton and I met at the CREATE conference in North Sydney. Gosh, we were trying to figure out maybe 11, 12 years ago. And then we were together. He was the MC for the CREATE conference number two that was in Melbourne. And um, just always enjoyed being with him. And I, I love his story. He's a, um, an executive. He's a coach. He's a, he's a consultant. He's a strategist. Most of all, he's a disciple. And so, Mark, welcome, first of all. It's great to see you. Great to have you. Thanks, Mike. It's, uh, it seems like a long time ago, but it also seems like yesterday. Yeah, I have the exact feeling. So difference, I look a lot different. You look exactly the same. So <laughs> <laughs> It's filters. Filters, brother. That's what. That's Filters what are about. wonderful, man. That, I agree. Yeah, with, they're great. I agree with you. They've saved so, us. They've I asked Mark us. to join us for several reasons, and this is really just the benefit of our of our listeners. I mean, it, Mark is well known in Australia and New Zealand, and, and increasingly around the world as a as a leader, uh, as a leader leadership development guy, as a coach. I mean, so many things he brings to the table. He works with YPO, which I know he'll talk about a little bit. He also has his own strategy company uh, that that he has clients all over. And yet at the same time, and this is what I've really appreciated about you, Mark, is that you've always, from the moment I've known you, it became evident that you carry your faith or maybe your faith carries you into the marketplace, that there's never been a dichotomy. There's never been a, a sense of division for you. As you mentioned, you didn't come from a Christian home, but when you met Christ, you you didn't seem to ever hold back, uh, and you've, you've just been very open, very active, and yet also very successful at the same time. So we just want to hear about that. But first, um, Mark, give us a give us a little background on you. Who are you, and how did you, how did you get from uh, New Zealand to Australia? How you know? Is, how did you meet Helen, his wife, who he, he's currently mad at because she booked this call for six a.m. Mark's time. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, she's wonderful. Helen's a great, great woman, and he's got three wonderful kids as well. So, Mark, give us a just in general, give us a bit of your story. Well, I was uh, born in the UK actually, and then uh, moved to New Zealand when I was fourteen. Uh, my my uh, my dad was in the British Army, left the British Army, and joined the New Zealand Army. So, I used to travel around a lot as a kid. Um, as you said, not raised in a in a Christian home, sort of moderately dysfunctional kind of background. So, uh, was a bit of an angry teenager, angry early twenties, and. Um, not not living not living the good life, but very self destructive. But um, you know, Jesus intervened, and uh, I was a very reluctant convert. I mean, I, you know, C.S. Lewis talks about the Hound of Heaven. I had the same kind of experience. He just he came after me. I had felt cornered, and um, started to realize the, um, the the love of a loving heavenly Father. So I had a mm. a really transformative uh, experience that um, shifted me to uh to follow follow jesus and that that's been my that's been my life it was real intervention i mean literally saved my life probably a story for another day but um uh, a massive life-changing experience encountering the 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 love of god and 
saw my mum, my dad, and my my three brothers all come to Christ uh, within a six month period, all led by different people. I mean, just an extraordinary time. So everything that I have, everything that I do is comes uh, definitely from the the hand of a loving heavenly Father. So I'm a, a walking testimony to the mercy and grace of God, Mike. I think that's probably the best way to to say it. Um, but uh, uh, as far as the moving into into business, at that stage I was working in a menswear store in a rough part of uh, South Auckland with a zoology degree. So, you know, not that's not an auspicious start uh, as far as uh, ending up running large companies. In fact, you don't go from that to running multinational companies without some significant divine intervention. Mm. Um, so I've, I've, I've never seen my faith as being separate from my work. I mean, I didn't realize you meant to segment some, some things to be sacred and some things not to be sacred. So I didn't really follow that. Um, so it's always been a fully integrated life for me. I gave my life to the Lord and that, that you know, obviously impacts not only my you know, relationships and Sunday morning and, and a church kind of experience, but also everything else that I do, including my, my work. Um, if I'm surrendered to him, then he has something for me to do. And that's pretty much been my relationship. So I don't have a deep theology. I don't, I don't have any theolo theological training. But my theology is, you know, serve him, follow him, and um, uh, introduce as many other people to him as I can. That's pretty much, that's all I've got, Mike. <laughs> I think that's plenty that's more. My, my depth of theology. Yeah. Um, I, I love this. But I, just quick quick comment. I love the zoological degree. It, my my degree is in history. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it has nothing, <laughs> it's not a bad degree, but, you know, it, it, it's the equipping of God. So, so then, yeah. so you, I love that you never had, and you talk, you and I both talked a bit about this when we were together in Australia, that you never really had a a battle with the sacred secular dichotomy. I mean, for you, it was, as you just said, it was always integrated um, and that's informed your walk. How do you, how do you explain that? So many people, so many Christians have, they struggle with that and yet you didn't. I and mean, what, what, why do you think that you avoided that? You know, I love the local church and I'm part of a local community and I think it's very much part of our Christian experience. Um, I know a lot of people in the marketplace struggle with that, but you know, I'm a big believer that we need to be connected to the, the local church. Um, but I didn't have that growing up. So I didn't have, you know, literally nothing. So I had no, uh, no context. I met the Lord outside of a church environment. I was led to the Lord by people out, you know, not in a church, outside of a church. Mm -hmm. um, and in, my, in fact, my first um, couple of years as a Christian didn't go to church. Uh, just uh, it was just uh, him and him and me and the Bible. And um, so I had this season of almost isolation. The people that led me to the Lord didn't know. Uh, and uh, and I had this sort of discovery, him and I, and just you know, reading his word and experiencing his presence. Um, mm -hmm. So I think there is something in our church culture that encourages a segmented view and. Uh, which I don't think is a tragedy. I, I, you know, I think if we really understood just how much the Lord is interested in our Wednesday afternoon as much as our Sunday morning, we would be uh, incredibly, incredibly effective wherever He's placed us. You know, I believe He's anointed us and appointed us and placed us in a particular uh, environment to have an influence, to be salt, be light, and that the works of service uh, is something that we do outside of the church, not inside the church. We're not there to build the church. We're out there to influence the kingdom and off the back of that churches would be would be full and would be growing uh, we kind of adopted i think we've adopted a, a defensive posture uh lifeboat kind of mentality as opposed to a landing craft where we might be representing a different kingdom but we're there to engage 
engage with society, engage with wherever we are uh, in a you know positive, serving, creative, like ambassadors. Yeah, you're not an ambassador by staying in the embassy, right? You 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 you've got to go out and mix it up with the local people. And I think you said yeah. you said something I think is important. And a lot of our listeners are either in sort of the marketplace ministry space. Majority are actually in the in the and I don't like labels, but there are some distinctions. The business is mission space where we're using business to go overseas to establish a legitimate presence and, and build relationships often, as you know, in, in restricted access countries. It's not all what we have to do. But you said something I, I really think is a key point. I'd like us to camp on it just a minute. And that is that, that many people in the marketplace world, and I suspect it may be true in the business's mission world as well, don't seem to have a high regard for the local church. And yet, I think that's a travesty. Some of it, the responsibility belongs to the local church for sure, but but it, it we lose out, and I think the church loses out when we're not together and and working to take our faith as as Eugene Peterson said out out of the salt shaker. So you didn't have to deal with that. How do you speak to people who are dealing with that? It's it's almost a revelation. Like it's such, it's so deeply ingrained in us, and the way that people have dealt with the the issue of the secular sacred divide is, or, or how business people in particular are, are regarded in the church, they've just opted out, and I, and I think that's a tragedy. I think ultimately the marketplace movement, because that thing that's kind of, I'm more familiar with that than than BAM, um, uh, but I think it's equally equally applies. Uh, business people are misunderstood. Mm. By the local church, often seen by you know local pastors and church leaders as uh, a bit of a checkbook, mm-hmm. and um, that, that you know they're there to provide resources, and, and that's not. And yet they have so much more to to offer the local church, but also they're they're time poor, and uh, we're still equating our spirituality with how much of our spare time we're giving up to do church things. So there's, I, I think the the the, uh, the wonderful irony is, I think that um, if church leaders adopted a much more you know, release and equip people to do what they're what God called them to do out as their vocations outside of the church. Uh, the churches would be full and thriving, but the defensive posture and kind of trying to we need to build this organization is uh, it's it's just upside down. How do you deal with that? Which I, which I think is your question. It's very hard to do that. I, I think we have to persevere. I think we have to build relationships. I think we have to ask. I certainly ask church leaders to pray for their business people. Go out and to see what they're doing. Go and you know sit in their boardrooms, and uh, and pray for them. Business people would love that, you know. And uh, they don't take a lot of looking after. Most business people are highly you know capable, organised. They know how to run an organisation, but they're, they're time poor, uh, and they're not necessarily resource rich, as we know. You know, not every business produces uh, lots of lots of cash, particularly if you're growing. So you know, getting alongside your 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 pastor and trying to invite them into into your world, and uh, you know I think a lot of a lot of people are on that journey. I think COVID has really helped. It, it's the uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of a paradox to to say that, but I think COVID has really has given the church um, the church in its broader sense a massive opportunity. We've we've broken reliance on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. service as, a, as the exclusive experience. We've all had to find our feet a little bit more in, in, as an independent in, independent faith. I think we've learned how to connect with people outside of church. You know, I think a lot of us have connected with other Christians and prayed together and met together online. 
and are continuing to do that out, 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 uh, now that we're face-to-face. And, and also I think most Christians have had a, an experience of the broader body of Christ. And I think that's a good thing. I love the eclectic nature of the body of Christ. You know, I think when God looks down at a particular area, he just sees one church. Yeah. And we've put it in boxes and put labels on it and, you know, all agreed to fight each other on various debatable theology. And um, But he sees one church, and I think we need to learn to play nice and uh, agree on what we agree on and uh, learn to love each other. And I think we'd be much more effective off the back of that. We'll be right back after a short break. Part of the scenario in Australia, as you well know, and I, New Zealand too, I assume, is that the percentage of the general population that's actually professing Christian is quite small uh, compared to say the U S where the the number is quite large. It doesn't mean the reality is any, any bigger, but it's a, so I I think at least my limited experience in Australia is that you have a a greater sense of we are here to win those around us because 94 out of a hundred don't know Christ, don't want to know Christ. Whereas in the U S in other countries to, to a lesser degree, you know, everybody says they do, or the majority says they do. And so it's a different, you, you, you get the warfare side of things. You get the fact that the guy in the foxhole next to you, he's your friend. He, he is your buddy. And if, if you don't hold him up and he doesn't hold you up, you're going to get wiped out. It doesn't matter whether he's a Baptist, Pentecostal, the uniting church, it doesn't matter, you know, what his, his label is. And I think I, I'm seeing some of that here. You know, I'm, I'm trying to stay connected globally. I'm seeing it in a lot of other countries. I'm seeing a little bit of it here where people are beginning to realize that the emphasis on the, the, the box we went to on Sunday morning was a little overblown. Not that local church is a bad thing. I mean, you said it earlier. I'm with you. I love the local church. But So, Mark, as you've, in your career, and you've been very, I'm not going to say tactful. That's not a right word. You are a tactful guy. And if anybody knows you, you're a gentleman. But you've been very clear as you've progressed in your career. You, you ran uh, a huge international coffee company, Gloria Jeans, which many people in the world have heard of. And then you've, you've moved on to go out on your own. What has been the biggest challenge and what's been the biggest discovery for you in, in seeking to walk with Christ, to represent Christ, as you said, as an ambassador in those different settings, because you haven't held back. You know, you've written openly about it. You've got your book, Monday Memos. You've got sort of devotional emails you send out periodic. I mean, you know, you've been you've been very clear. Um, and yet, and I'm sure you paid a price, but I haven't seen you come across as a dogmatic, narrow-minded guy who just wants to punch anything that moves. I mean, you've really, and I know you're going to say it's the Holy Spirit, and I'll give you that. I, I know it is. But you, I've watched you over the last you know decade or so, and I've been very impressed and very blessed by the way God has used you. What 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 has been again the challenge and the discovery that's really made that work for you? Hmm. Well, thank you for that, Mike. I'm coming from you. I I, I um I've been called worse, so that's uh, that's very kind. <laughs> um, it, look, I you know I I think I settled some of these things very early on in my life, um, uh, in my Christian walk, um, in my Christian life. That I think because my conversion experience was, it's like if you can do something with my life, let, let's do it. That I be- became a very big believer that if I want to have God's outcomes, I have to do it His way, and uh, and yet I, I felt very drawn to the, the the corporate world and leadership and 
you know, even now, all, virtually all my clients are not Christians. So th- th- this is my natural, the natural state is mixing it up with with people who don't know who don't know him. And um, t- I think tact is actually probably not a bad way to uh, describe it. Actually, I hadn't really thought of it in, that, in those terms, but it certainly requires a fair amount of wisdom because you know if you turn up to work with your uh, you know four kilo Bible, um, you know, open up in morning tea, and you know it's not going to go well. It's just there's a lot of wisdom required to how do you interact in a way that um, uh, you demonstrate the kingdom of God without being massively overt. And, and I've um, I figured out that actually God's more interested in touching people than I am. And mm-hmm. those opportunities, they just come and they come naturally and you don't have to over engineer them. It just becomes a part of you. So I, I love that scripture about being plugged into the vine that it's such a, you know, I've heard so many sermons on it, but for me it's such a, a, a simple concept. If I am plugged into him, I will produce fruit. I don't have to go after it. I don't have to, mm. you don't have to shout for it to arrive. You know, it. Um, if you're plugged into the vine, there will be fruit. It's a natural extension of who you are and being connected to, to Jesus. If I'm not connected to him, there is no fruit. doesn't matter what I do, how I do it. And, and so maintaining that connection with him, walking with 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 him, getting wisdom from him. You know, in Australia in particular, not too many people want the Jesus freak running their company. You know, it's uh, it, it's not a it's not seen as a desirable uh, thing. So managing that in a way that kind of makes sense. One being very very good at what you do goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You almost get the wow, this this person is amazing. Let's uh, let's hire them. Um, I know he's got this kind of Jesus thing, but we'll just kind of we'll just ignore that, <laughs> and um, let, yeah. let's let the crazy guy in because he seems to have done some things before that have that sort of worked out. And, and so, and because of that, um, I ran six companies over twenty years, and the vast majority. One, the fact that I actually ended up in leadership was a miracle in its own right. I mean, God just opened some extraordinary doors, but often had the Mission Impossible companies. I had the ones mm. where everyone's going like, why are you doing that? It's just not going to happen. And yet saw the hand of God and the grace of God do some in- in- incredible things as far as incredible commercial corporate things mm-hmm. uh, turn around. So it's um, I- I've relied on him. He's placed me in areas where I, I am out of my depth and I've had to rely on him and seen his, seen his outcomes, seen his, um, seen his hand, seen his hand at work. And I, um, I didn't start a call to business until would have been about twelve. Actually, not long before I, I met I met you. So I'm in the corporate world, and I really started. I'd been starting to talk to other Christians. They kept asking me about, well, how, tell me about this. How do you you talk about God at work? How, how does that work? Like, what? How do I? What do you mean by that? And I just started doing an email out to a few friends who I'd talked to about these things, and. It sort of grew off the back of that. Now there's, you know, four books and I've had about 75,000 people go through the reading plans and there's, there's a whole lot of material out there. But I had to really think about how do I nail those colors to the mast in a way that still allows me to operate in a, you know, a brutal commercial world where I'm not hired because I'm a Christian, I'm hired because of a, of a skill set uh, and, uh, you know, a desired outcome. And it's a commercial outcome. It's not a you know, social, spiritual, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's nothing, it's a purely commercial outcome that I'm hired for. And, uh, and, and I, I must have been, I was, I was slightly reluctant to go to that level. I was quite happy 
just being the kind of the undercover Christian. And uh, but I really felt the Lord was saying, no, you need to you need to help other people figure this out mm-hmm. uh, and take a few hits, take a few hits for the team, which I'm, I'm sure I have. And most of them I haven't really noticed that much. And so I started called to business and started, uh, you know, writing and, and being more obvious using social media in particular to, to, to let people know, hey, this God's interested in your, in your Tuesday as much as your Sunday. Monday matters and Monday matters to God. And here's how you, here's how you figure it out. But even in on social, that's very segmented. So if you go to Thought Patrol, which is my leadership uh, practice, there's not a lot of scriptures there. Um, you know, I have the odd, uh, I have the odd. Here's a wise Jewish proverb um, that you might want to consider, uh, and you know, I'd use use some wisdom around around that. So the irony of I segment my life because I'm saying you shouldn't segment your life. I think is quite funny, but. Certainly, there's some wisdom required in how you do that, how you message, what what's your audience, what's your um, uh, who you who you're talking to in this particular moment. So I've got videos online that are leadership videos, and they have you know the odd sprinkling in there about um, about faith and connection and things. And then I have call to business, which is uh, massively, overtly, and obviously obviously Christian. So. 20 seconds online, you can figure out who I am, uh, but I'm very mindful of the audience that I have. Can I give you actually? Can, can I give you an example? Yeah, please. I had um, I had a uh, a client of mine do a reference for a client, and these are you know business leaders, hard nosed business leaders. And um, uh, this other client came on board. And he said, "Oh, the reference was kind of interesting." He he said, "You're a Christian," um, which I kind of knew, but he said, um, "But it's okay." He's a Christian, but it's okay because what it means is he'll do exactly what he says he's going to do and he mm. actually genuinely cares about your success. And I thought, that's actually quite, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, you know, that, there's an opportunity for the gospel uh, off, off the back of a relationship that's built on those kind of principles. You know, it's interesting. You, you, never, you never know, and that's the thing I've discovered, is that, you know, when you think you're being used, you're probably not. When you don't think you're being used, you probably are. And and the things that people pick up on, I think of a, of a client of mine who was from Columbia, South America, and we were flying back from California to the East Coast after doing a, an acquisition together. And we got stuck in the Houston airport. And we so we went to a coffee shop. I'm sorry, it wasn't Gloria Jeans, but we went to a coffee shop to wait. <laughs> Not that you care anymore, but we, we went to a, we went to a um, coffee shop. We sat down and two minutes into it, he said, hey, I want to ask you a personal question. And he went right to it. He said, you're different. You, you've got this energy, this joy, this power about you. What is it? And I, I you know, went with a moment. I said, well, it, it's Jesus. He said, I thought so. Let's talk about that. And for two hours in that coffee shop, he, he wanted to talk about the gospel, his life. He followed me onto the plane. We're talking all the way on the, on the gangway, jetway, I guess. And then we get there, get on the end of the, end of the cabin. And he asked the lady sitting next to me to move so he can sit next to me and keep talking. So we had two more hours from Houston to Atlanta talking about the gospel. And I'm, it's just like you. It says you, you just don't know where that's going to come from. But God engineers. I couldn't have made that happen. You couldn't have made what happened with you. I mean, God does that. There's a word, Mark, one of my favorite words, which no one knows, although the, our, our listeners are getting used to it. It's the word obstreperous. And okay. you know the word. If you should know it, it's a great, a great English word, and it means unnecessarily awkward or unnecessarily offensive. 
And the, and the operative word, right, is unnecessarily. I mean, the gospel is offensive and Christians can be awkward. But when we go out of our way, you mentioned the, the four kilo Bible. I know people that that's their testimony. They've got this enormous Bible on their desk and they wonder why. Why does nobody ever come in to see me at tea time or coffee? Right. Hmm. So I love that. I love that story. And you're and I know you well enough. I, we haven't spent an enormous amount of time together, but I, I, would, I felt very connected to you the first both times we've been together. It's fascinating to me to see you've got a very disarming way about you. You're very real. You don't put on airs. And, and I think that's that's some of what the world is looking for. So fast forward into uh, the work you're doing now with your, your consulting company, leadership development. You know, what, what is what is the what's that about and, and how can people learn about that? Because I think, again, this is there's so much you bring. And I want people outside of your sphere of influence. I want to know who you are and learn from you. Yeah, it's um, it's been great, actually. This is my post-corporate life. And it's um, it's a whole new season. Um, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm, I get to hang out with leaders, which I, I, just, I just love. I love the cut and thrust of um, helping leaders uh, unlock their potential and, you know, see their companies grow. That's kind of something that gets me out of bed in the morning. Uh, I do that in various ways. So I have an agile strategic planning process called Stragile, um, which sits in a nice piece of software. And um, so I've got a whole bunch of clients on that. And, and that usually leads to spending time with them. So I have a, a, a mentoring of business owners. I work with their leadership teams. Uh, and recently, I've been putting advisory boards together for sort of mid-sized companies, you know, sort of 50 to 100 million kind of size companies. So entrepreneurial companies that have grown. And then, you know, they're working 24 hours a day. They've got broken relationships. They're, they're just going crazy. How do I get this, this thing that was meant to bring all this freedom is actually constraining me. And so I help them rethink uh, their lives and their particular their business life, but it, it tends to be more than that. How to do strategy well, how to release their uh, leadership teams, how to empower them, how to build some structure, how to you know create purpose. And there's a there's a whole bunch of things that are bring to the table. Um, but what this does allows them to go through. So I had a lot of clients go from sort of fifty to a hundred million. And without losing their mind, you know, so that they're actually able to bring some some life back as well as as have their their business do what they originally intended it to do, um, and so that that's an extraordinary privilege, and um, that's uh, Thought Patrol, thoughtpatrol.com. If anyone wants to have a look at what I'm doing there, there's uh, weekly emails around um, how to do lead, how to lead well, um, so that that's available for people if they want it. And um, I also work for uh, YPO, the Young Presidents Organization, which is massive in the US. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it is around the rest of the world, but obviously still very US centric. And I've been a member for 20 years. That's been a, a, a big part of my uh, leadership growth and a wonderful, incredible organization. And I get to serve that as well. So I am a, a forum facilitator. So I help forums, which is the confidential group of business leaders that get together once a month help them have a deep conversation. And that's that's an extraordinary privilege. I mean, the average size business is about 250 million US. Uh, so these are good sized businesses. It, it's, uh, and there's been some extraordinary doors open, particularly over, over COVID. So I've been able to uh, do a couple of global events uh, with some of their best of the best. And yeah, it just kind of blows my mind even thinking about it. My, you know, we talked about starting as a shop assistant in a menswear store in South Auckland with a zoology degree. And now I'm sitting at table with some of the, the best business leaders in the world, mm. uh, helping them connect with each other and have a deep, 
you know, having a deep conversation and learn from each other. And um, you, you definitely don't do that without some divine intervention, that's for sure. But yes, yeah, so that's that's kind of what I do. It's a sort of a, a mix of a mix of those things. But spending time with leaders is the passion, and um, uh, and, and I'm much more at ease with uh, leaders that aren't aren't Christian. That's my yeah. my mission field, if you like. Yep. In uh, in BAM language, but that that's where God's placed me. That's what He's built me for. Can I come back to something that you said about being uh, being real? You know, I, I'm a great believer that uh, if we're created by God, then um, we, we're created unique. Uh, and he has a, a plan and purpose for us, then the the closer we can be to being our authentic selves, the more effective we'll be. Mm. Um, I think leaders in general get that wrong. They create an artificial construct of what a leader should be uh, and then try and live up to that as opposed to being, you know, the, uh, the best version of themselves. And uh, but particularly for Christians, understanding that he's he's placed us and anointed us in a particular area um, and skill set and personality that... Um, the most effective we can be is when we're truly being who he created us to be. Uh, and that's being genuine, open, vulnerable, and, uh, and, and real and doing it his way and letting him work out the results. He's the one that turns the heart of a King. He's the one that opens doors. Uh, we should, we should have the same experience as a missionary, you know, expect the favor of God, expect to have divine encounters, expect to, um, see his hand, pray into those things that we're doing uh, on a daily basis. So there's no difference for me from wherever he's placed us in the marketplace to being a missionary. You know, I was going to ask you a couple of questions that you literally just answered to, to help us close out the podcast. You know, what <laughs> what would you say to leaders in general and what would you say to Christian leaders? And you just said it just and that's powerful. And I think it's part of the encouragement that I felt from you years ago. I mean, you just, you know, you, 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 you were, you were a friend, you were an encourager and I can see you doing that daily and God using you. And so if the leaders can take away what you just said, that idea of be yourself, you know, believe that you're a unique creation of God recreated in Christ, be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. And then expect God to work, expect God to meet you, to do things. I couldn't have scripted it any better. That was perfect. So let's just stop while we're on a high point before I ask you a really dumb question and just say, thanks, Mark. Great to see you. Come back and join us again in the future. I would love to to share more of your wisdom with our listeners. And and, uh, like I said, it's just as a friend and a brother. It's just, uh, it's really good to see your face and and see your smile and to spend a little time together. So thank you. Thank you so much, brother. And God God bless you and everything that's in front of you. Thank you, Mark. It's been, been a pleasure. It's great to catch up with you again. Absolutely. And I'll just sit to our listeners, all of the things that Mark mentioned, websites and books, we'll put them in the show notes. You can check them out. I encourage you to do so. They're all great. Uh, they're very encouraging and they're very convicting, uh, all rolled into one. So again, Mark Bilton, Stragile is the name of one company and Thought Control is the name of the other. So uh, I'll get this to you in the, in the show notes and uh, check them out. Mark, again, thank you, brother. Pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business as Mission podcast. We invite you to become part of the story by supporting the BAM podcast at patreon.com slash BAM stories. There's a link in the notes with this episode. For more information, go to thirdpathinitiative.com or tryventure.com. Please share this podcast and give us a review wherever you listen.